1: Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, with me, Caroline Foran, author of Owning It and The Confidence Kit, and my third book, which will be out in May of this year. There'll be lots more to come on that soon. Um, I'm really excited to share it with you guys, and I'll do some teasers on the podcast for you guys to hear before anyone else does. But for now, we are well into season two of Owning It, the podcast, and I hope that you're finding the series helpful so far. I was just thinking to myself last week, what a difference it would have made for me to have something like this when I was feeling really bad and how how much power and strength there is in knowing that so many people are going through a similar thing and I can only tell you the amount of messages I get and I'm so grateful for them from people saying what you're describing is exactly what I've been through or what I'm going through and it makes me feel so less alone and I just think back to how unbelievably alone I felt and how like an alien I felt back in 2014 and so you're not alone. If you're listening and you're feeling lost, you're not alone. I'm right there with you and everyone who's listening is right there with you. So this week, it's just me. I just wanted to do a little solo episode as I wanted to take some time out to consider some of the less obvious drivers of anxiety that, again, I know had I been aware of them back when I was feeling the full weight of it in 2014-2015, I think things would have been an awful lot easier to handle. So first, let me explain what I mean by a less obvious driver of anxiety. In the series so far, I've looked at things such as, you know, very specific life events that have triggered anxiety for me or for for someone listening, such as, you know, a job that's not working out for you. That was it for me. A lot of stress happening at one time and maybe some kind of trauma either in the past or the present that you would probably be able to clearly identify as having played a major role in launching you into a bad phase of anxiety and that could be maybe the death of a family member or a friend something that's very obvious like that that you say okay this this makes a lot of sense to me we've also looked at things in the series so far that can enhance anxiety such as what we're eating or not eating how much caffeine or sugar or alcohol we're adding to the mix And obviously something we've touched on recently is how well or how poorly we're sleeping and the impact that that can really have on our experience of anxiety. And looking at all of these factors from the very obvious triggers to these things that enhance it tend to be where you start with anxiety when you're trying to get to a point of owning it. And when you identify these very obvious triggers, you go about the lifestyle changes necessary to bring a little bit more balance into your life and to get you to that point of owning it. And that's amazing if you can get there and, you know, we, we try really hard and we work really hard to get there. We might succeed in taking the edge off and that alone is amazing. But for some people and for myself too, after a while, we're still kind of feeling the presence of anxiety and it's kind of just always there. And then what happens is we get really frustrated with ourselves because, you know, we've already addressed it, we've, we've looked at it head on, we think we should be feeling fine now and we're not. So what's going on? And of course, that just creates more friction and more tension. So this is where I think it helps to step back and take a look at the less obvious, but no less significant drivers of anxiety that can keep us stuck in that cycle of anxious thoughts, anxious feelings, anxiety-induced behaviors. And I covered these a lot in my second book, The Confidence Kit. And they're things that I would say add to our anxiety on a daily basis without us being even really aware of them in the first place. For me, these less obvious triggers might include imposter syndrome, might include perfectionism, and a big one is social comparison. Now, there's definitely a lot more than that. I mean, people-pleasing is another major one which I've explored in my new book. But for now, I just want to draw your attention to these and say, you know, I wouldn't give... I wouldn't give them all of the credit for the anxiety I've experienced in my life, but they certainly have kept my anxious nature ticking over. And they certainly would be to blame for any sort of anxiety, I, latent anxiety I feel these days. And, you know, when you're not really looking, you're looking the other way, they can kind of just fill up your anxious cup and keep you on a little sort of anxious wavelength. We don't really want that either. We don't want our, our normal baseline to be anxiety. So I find that it helps every now and then to slow down, step back, and see how I'm getting on with these particular less obvious drivers. Now, the most important thing to say here is that it's not about getting to a point where you have zero imposter syndrome, although that would be very nice, or that you have to stop being a perfectionist when I've tried that and it doesn't work because it's just in my nature. It's it's part of my personality. Often perfectionism has a lot to do with your success in life as well. I'm also not saying that you need to stop comparing yourself to other people. And I know I've hammered this point home so much by now but trying hard not to feel these things or to think in these ways is only going to give you more anxiety in the same way trying so hard not to have anxiety in your life is going to give you more of it. So for me it's really about becoming aware of them, understanding them, why we do them, how normal it is, knowing when they're taking over the reins a little bit more than you'd like and then gently correcting your course so that you can avoid an unwanted crash or anxiety meltdown. And I know I keep referring to the same analogy but it's like if you're on the train tracks and the train is coming and you're getting right now what we're doing with the series and, this, and everything that we're learning is we're learning to spot the train way before it reaches us so that we can choose to get off. The train's always going to come, life is always going to throw different things at us, different stresses, different anxiety triggers, but we can tune in and know what's coming down the road. So for this episode let's focus just on social comparison because there's so much in it alone that... I'd go on forever and I want to keep it nice and short and sweet. Maybe you're, you're on a little break from work. So social comparison is a huge anxiety trigger for me. Always has been. I certainly wouldn't have identified it as one until I had addressed all of the other major triggers for myself. So it's one of the ones that were kind of left over. It's like, you know, when you're tidying out your house and you get to that last drawer and you're like, there's still a few things in here that need to be sorted out. That's where I'd find social comparison. So I understand now that social comparison is something that we all do and we always have done as a way to measure our self-worth. And we use other people's success as a yardstick for our own success and obviously because this other person is not you and you are not them, the results you come away with can never be trusted. Social comparison, especially when we do it on social media, which has just made it infinitely more intense these days because it's just right there at your fingertips anytime, day or night, it's a fool's game. And I don't mean to say you're a fool I'm a fool too. We all, we're all, we're all fools. So whether you come out of a comparison binge feeling good about yourself or bad about yourself, there is no winning. This behavior locks in a sense of one-upmanship into your mind. And if that's what starts to drive you, you'll never be satisfied. Though social comparison might not make me have a panic attack, or it might not make me feel the kind of visceral anxiety that we've focused on in the series so far, it does lay the foundations for anxious thoughts that are always kind of simmering away, such as, you know, I'll never have what they have or they're coping far better with their anxiety than I am, which is something people say to me a lot, which and the truth is I'm not. I mean, we're all coping in our own way or I should be at this stage and I'm not. All things that we think when we socially compare. Social comparison, I would say, gives birth to these toxic kinds of thoughts that are not to be trusted and they're never based on fact because the information you're relying on to reach these conclusions is always entirely skewed and you've heard the phrase so many times that you're comparing your behind the scenes with someone else's highlights reel and it's still incredibly true so if you're comparing one set of information with another that's not reliable of course you're not going to arrive at any answer that can be trusted it's nothing is based on fact so you have to always dispute that Now for so long I thought that just by knowing how unhelpful such comparison is that it would stop me from doing it and I thought I'd make the switch away from it the same way I switched from regular coke to diet coke. Uh, No it was not that easy. Unfortunately it's it's so ingrained in our human nature to gravitate towards comparing and we've been doing it since 190 splash so it's not as simple as deciding to stop in the same way I'm blue in the face saying it's not as simple as deciding to just wake up tomorrow and not feel anxiety. For me, understanding it has been part one. Accepting that it's human nature to compare myself and not give myself a hard time for doing it has also been very important. And when I notice myself falling into the trap of social comparison, I have to acknowledge that the reason I feel crap right now is because of this very behavior I've just been engaged in. And had I not become aware of what everyone else has going on today, I probably would have kept going with my day as normal and felt completely fine. I accept that, okay, it's done now. I've done that, can't get that time back. You know why you're doing it, you know why you feel bad, but it will pass. And it passes, it does pass, until you're back scrolling in a matter of moments. And I realised that being aware of it alone wasn't really enough. A bit like having an addiction to cigarettes and knowing full well, which we all do, that smoking is so bad for you, and yet you know this, you're aware of it, and you still spend your entire day in a cigarette factory where all of the world's most gorgeous cigarettes are there on display now I don't smoke I never have so that sounds horrendous to me but social comparison is a similar addiction Uh, so hopefully you will you'll get my analogy there I kind of realized that I needed to take some more practical measures to get a handle on my social comparison and in recent months what I've done is I've gone on a major muting binge of my social media Now it's nothing to do with anyone else anyone that I've muted they're all lovely people and I would happily spend time with these people and have chats with these people but I realized that from my own perspective consuming their highlights day in day out was always leaving me feel a little bit deflated and it was just too easy to pick up the phone and start comparing myself with these people from the minute I woke up right through the day until I went to bed later that night. And I figured that, okay, maybe an out of sight, out of mind approach would be helpful in the same way it's useful in, in when, when we're trying to not eat all the cakes at home. If you just don't buy them and they're not in your house, you won't eat them. And it actually has made a huge difference. So these days I have curated my social media feed to be nothing more than a mixture of news. I mean, I can't compare myself to the news really. I love a bit of celebrity gossip, lots of cute puppies, home interiors which is something that inspires me that I enjoy, celebrities who I consider to be on such a completely different planet to me that I would never compare myself with them anyway and then just very very close friends whose content I'm really happy to consume because it makes me happy, it doesn't make me compare, it makes me feel like I'm aware of what they have going on and it keeps you in touch. I wanted to stop seeing content from anyone with whom I might compare myself which includes anyone in a similar kind of career or doing a similar thing to me and I know that might sound drastic and it might sound like I'm jealous or competitive and that's probably true but sometimes you have to physically put on your blinkers to stop being distracted by what's to your left and right and you have to accept that yes maybe you are the kind of person that feels bad when you compare yourself so don't give yourself the opportunity to do so. I'm not the kind of person who feels inspired by others without at the same time coming down hard on myself. If however you do consume your peers content all day long and it helps you feel motivated and encouraged and inspired then social comparison is probably not a driver of anxiety for you and that's amazing like fair play to you for being that well adjusted. If it is a driver of anxiety for you and I haven't met many people for whom it isn't then you have to put boundaries in place to make your life a little bit easier. Only then was I able to really focus on what I'm doing myself in my own lane, what I have going on today, tomorrow, this week, this year, without all of that noise happening around me. Now, it hasn't been a social comparison cure, but it has been an invaluable hack that I'm so glad I've done and I don't feel a single bit guilty about it. I honestly, I have no idea what's going on with anyone who isn't a very best friend and that has made my world so much smaller and more manageable. And I think anything that we can do in life to make our world feel smaller and more manageable has a direct effect of making our anxiety feel smaller and more manageable. Lastly, um, something that has helped hugely with social comparison-induced anxiety is to make a point of engaging in what I refer to in, across both books as temporal comparison every now and then. Now, I think I've probably spoken about this at length, before but just to remind you it's when you cut everyone else out of the picture and you compare yourself with yourself alone. So the thing is like I said we're always going to want to compare it's in our nature it's such an easy way to get a sense of where we're at but it's far far healthier and more reliable to do it with ourselves. So the temporal and temporal comparison refers to comparing you today with you of the past or you with where you want to be in the future. And when I switch my thinking into temporal comparison and I'll do that by taking out a pen and paper and and writing down, you know, where I've been, what what have I done this year that I wouldn't have been able to do maybe five years ago, I realise that I'm doing completely fine for me and my pace and where I'm at. And I've come so far from where I was just a few years ago. And yet, okay, I might not be, I might not be running the world or spending every second week on a tropical island like this random influencer that I follow seems to be doing, but considering there was a time when I couldn't even go out of the house to meet a friend for coffee, I couldn't even go to the shop to buy milk, to where I am now I've come on leaps and bounds and I'm right where I'm meant to be. And when you get your own temporal comparison on you'll realize that you too are right where you are meant to be. And if all else fails and you cannot stop yourself from comparing yourself with others in social media, you can't put the phone down or you can't find the mute button, it's very easy to find, really recommend it, and you just think temporal comparison is is far less exciting and you don't get anywhere near as much of a buzz from it, and you're still going to engage in social comparison, then at least remind yourself of this lovely truth, which I I think is is such a nice thought about popcorn. So when you think about popcorn in your microwave and you're waiting for it to cook, you'll realize that all your popcorn kernels are put into the same bag or the same pot on, on the hob with the same heat, the same oil, for the same amount of time, and yet they all pop at different times. So when you go to compare yourself with others, remember that your time to pop is coming. That's it for this week, and I will be back next week with a guest. Thank you so much for tuning in and for your lovely reviews as always, and a big thank you to those who have subscribed on Patreon. If you want to join me there, I'm at patreon.com forward slash Caroline And I just call it the owning a tip jar. It's not essential, but it is very much appreciated. And yeah, next week I'll be back. And thank you so much. Take care and chat soon.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well?